0: Hi, this is the podcast of the best bits of breakfasts for the week ending May 15. Breakfasts is a Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on this podcast, you are going to hear uh, some really great interviews. We had a huge week and it all kicked off with Hugo Weaving, who was on the line on Skype chatting about his new film Hearts and Bones. And we also talked about... Uh, the pressure to see mates now that some of the restrictions have been lifted in Melbourne and how we're all coping with that.
1: Uh, also we got to chat to Janice Scott about her upcoming episode of Who Do you Think You Are? Uh, we were introduced to
2: Frolf, which is a combination of frisbee and golf. And also, we uh, chat to rapper Adam Briggs about his new children's book, Our Home, Our Heartbeat. And we wrap the week with a dinner off, as distinct from an off dinner, uh, to see which of us reigned supreme in the ISO meal department. Triple R. For decades, Hugo Weaving has been a celebrated and award-winning actor of film, theatre and television to sample in no particular order the Interview, The Dressmaker, The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit and The Matrix trilogies, Little Fish, Babe, Bodyline, Proof, Priscilla, Patrick Melrose, Waiting for Godot, Uncle Vanya, Hacksaw Ridge and Macbeth picking up actor, SAG, Helpman and other accolades along the way, including in 2020 being made an Honorary Officer of the Order of Australia. His latest role is as Dan Fisher, a war photographer, struggling with what he's seen in the new film Hearts and Bones. And to tell us about it, the screen legend joins us on the line now. Hugo Weaving, welcome to Breakfasters. Ah,
3: hello, Lovely uh, lovely to be with you all.
2: Uh, it, it really is. Uh, it, you, you obviously have a prodigious filmography, but in this film you star opposite a first-timer, Andrew Lurie. Can you tell us about how you came and to worked together for this project and why it's a story that you wanted to help tell?
3: Yeah, well, Ben Lawrence, who's the director of this, um, had directed a wonderful documentary um, the year before. I, I actually run the same time. It came out around the same time I got the script for this. And um, so Ben has a wonderful... Um, brain. He took uh, six or seven years to make this documentary. And it's a, it won the documentary film prize it's called Ghost Hunter, it won the documentary film prize at the Sydney Film Festival. And he was interested in working with me, had been for a while, but also was interested in working with non-actors. And he was keen to cast the role of this South Sudanese refugee in Hearts and Bones um with a non-actor someone who hadn't acted before someone who perhaps uh, had a life closer to the experience of the character and um so th- that was always on the cards that um that there would be non-actors and actors in the same film and that excited me very much it's about people getting together and making a project it's not you know we're all we're all people uh whoever we are <laughs> and uh, we all have to try and tell a story. And so it, it, in a way it, um, it forced, well, it forced Andrew and I to just rely on our own relationship and um, getting on together and helping each other through it. So he helped me a lot and I helped him. And um, uh, it was a great pleasure to work with him. Uh, he's, he fled South Sudan with his family some years ago now and uh, settled in Darwin for a year and then lives down in Melbourne. And he's—I think he's been in Melbourne for about six years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, they—they they found him. He was a—he was driving a truck, I think, when uh, <laughs> when, when, when they found
2: him. That's it. Did was he aware of you? Was was he a fan? Uh, and do you think he wants to continue? <laughs> uh,
3: Andrew, I—I uh, I don't know that he was aware of me, which is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, but he said, "I think the story was that he, after he'd been cast and he met me, He then he said, saw my face on the back of a bus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he then realised, oh, okay, okay, maybe this guy's well known. Um, but I, yeah, I think he does. He 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 is interested in considering. He's, I think he's working on a script." And uh, I think there's another, uh, he tells great stories. There was a fantastic story he told that might be the basis of another script that's being worked on. So we'll see, we'll see.
0: In the film, your character, who does document wars and these kind of crises around the world as a photographer, kind of grapples with what he does and at one point just totally questions the point of what he does, whether there's been a point to it at all. Um, Just wondering whether kind of in the process of, filming this and and in your research for it, you kind of formed a different idea about how we do document war and disasters in the West. Did it change the way you feel about about that at all?
3: I think what this did for me was to make me more aware of all the complexities in the argument and uh, this film is, has met, there's many really complex moral uh, issues that the film throws up. So a, a, a journalist any journalist, whether they're you know a photojournalist or, or or a writer, or someone on someone on radio on camera, is is trying to get to the heart of the story and the heart of the truth, and trying to express that story um, to their listeners or to their viewers uh, or to their to the public at, at large. So a photojournalist is trying to find that, trying to capture that that image that will best. Tell the story of the conflict they're working in that will best sum up that story, and somehow highlight the all the all the concerns that are that are causing it, and somehow maybe if it's a war, bring it to an end. And there've been some very notable um, photos over the years uh, which have actually precipitated the end of a conflict. And when we think of Vietnam. There's a couple of classic photos from the Vietnam conflict which really did bring that to the American consciousness. It was a war which was a long way away and somehow those images of, uh, of the napalm, uh, the girl running down the road, really brought that home because it was the child. So there's that. And that's my character is trying to do that. Uh, but then the other side of it is that, of course, people in these images are human beings and they have lives and perhaps you've turned them into a story, just a story or just a, just a, just a victim or um, someone who doesn't want to be uh, sort of, you know, in that position. They don't want to have to bear all of that to the world. They might have very private reasons that, you know, it's, it's them, they're human. So um, I suppose it highlighted all of those issues and then, a question, sort of the self-doubt that comes in with the character, uh, when he he's always realised that this is the situation, but it becomes sort of more and more difficult for him. I think partly because he's also suffering from PTSD and has a lot of personal issues that are going on. He's he, he starts questioning the whole point of having a ph- photo uh, a photographic exhibition. With all of his works about him, when actually he's not really trying to be a, a celebrity, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, I suppose heal the world in some way or illuminate certain things that are going on.
2: Mm. Uh, journalism, obviously, is as you say central to the story, and uh, you know, uh, Radio National and um, News Radio sort of cracks a mention. What what is? hugo weaving's media diet are you you know are you like every day i gotta watch judge judy is it, what's the
3: <laughs> what's the thing that i do well,
2: what's your what's your media diet because
3: uh, media diet sorry uh, oh well um it depends really uh at the moment i have to say i'm 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 probably a uh uh, a bit of a tragic for watching master for master chef
0: my god same
3: but just at the moment it seems to be a good lockdown thing in the <laughs> evening you know, cook a meal and watch it um, but generally i will i don't know i listen to radio national I'll, I'll watch abc or sbs news and i used to love watching late line uh, and then, if there's something interesting on I'll watch that but um um often i'll 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 you know I've got a big film library so I'll watch a favorite film again you know that I haven't seen for five years or something like that uh, mm. yeah i'm I'm it's or I'll you know go out to the theatre or go out to go out to see a film, but at the moment I can't. So it's yeah. very It varies.
0: Has there been anything that you've been uh, any books or old films that you've been leaning into a little bit since you've been in lockdown?
3: Well, I just finished reading Hilary Mantel's um, *The Mirror and the Light*, which is the third in her trilogy, the Wolf Hall trilogy, which was just fantastic and such a such a um a massive tome it was um it was a re- it, it kept me going for you know most of April so that was and I <laughs> eking it out you know it was pretty good uh, and yeah a lot a lot of, a whole, lot of uh, a whole lot of old films um I brought up some uh films by one of my favorite filmmakers a guy called Nuri Bilge Chelan if that's how you pronounce it uh he's a Turkish filmmaker. And uh, he made a wonderful film called Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. So I'll be probably watching that tonight.
2: It, in, the, uh, in the film, you the character sort of explores the idea of self-censorship um, and also questions whether his life's work has made a difference. Do you, is it, does that sort of inform in any way your approach to the projects you take on?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I've always thought that, I've always, I think intuitively thought that as, as an actor, I, it's better to be engaged in things that you really care about or really are inspired by or feel really passionate about. Uh, and so I, I exercise a deal of, um, of uh, not censorship, but... Um, uh, a deal of well choice really i mean i exercise a, a great choice i have a, i think about what i do a great deal and what i don't want to do a great deal there are times when you're you know being asked to do something that m- might might be okay but you're not sure but it could possibly be really great but it might not depending on all these things so but you have to work with so many people and have to have to um, be a Be available as an actor. Um, It's quite hard once you engage with something, because it's such a group experience. It's such a it's such a communal community that is creating the film. It's quite hard to, you know, I've I've always wanted to voice my opinion, but also I'm working with other uh, a lot of other people, and uh, and I'm not generally driving the ship. Um. So so. Being the censor is something I can't quite do. I can certainly be a voice and be a part of a team, Um, and so I've always exercised that.
1: Has there ever been a role that perhaps um, you considered doing but didn't do, or is there a role out there that you really wish you could have had a crack at?
3: Oh, there have been many roles I've considered doing and didn't do, yes. Yes. And also there have been other roles, I'm trying to think of something now, but other roles particularly as a younger actor that um, I wanted to to get and didn't. Uh, Actors are constantly um, rejected and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, cast aside and overlooked. And also actors can be uh, improperly wooed. And I mean, in the sense that, An actor can be asked to be in something, not because they're right for the role, not because they're actually the best for the role, but because they might bring in the money or they might put bums on seats. So I think there's two sides to it. You have to be very, very conscious of your choices and why you're doing them and why other people want you to do them as well, because they might not want you to do them for the same reasons that you might want to do it. And it's important to to all be on the same page and be honest with each other. So that's, that's something you have to look out for, I
0: think. I, I imagine there's a huge difference between working on a set like Hearts and Bones and something like The Matrix, that kind of goes for that saying. And you've worked across theater you've worked across everything. Is there, has there been a, a set that you've been on that you enjoyed the most or that you got the most joy out of that was unexpected for you?
3: Oh, look, um, yeah, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, has to be I hugely... uh, It was such a celebration uh, from all of us, everyone working on that film. Um, The journey we made from Sydney to Alice Springs, pretty much shooting fairly sequentially from beginning to end, uh, and, and the whole premise of it being in drag out in the outback. Was so wild, and it was a very wild um, time. We partied a lot after hours, <laughs> and we worked very hard. And so, and the landscape was extraordinary. So it was a really, a really magical, extraordinary, surreal experience, and one that I wanted to do. One of the reasons I really wanted to do that role, I just thought the idea of. I said to, to Stefan, the director, I would do anything in it because I just thought it sounded just fantastic the journey of it It sounded like a really great journey i like journeys so i like road movies but that was the best i think
2: well hugo weaving's new film is hearts and bones it's out now via home entertainment on digital platforms including apple tv google play foxtel and fetch tv and the dvd is available from june 3 uh hugo weaving thanks so much for chatting with us
3: thank you very much indeed all of you
0: Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app.
2: Denise Scott is an actor, author, Barry Award winning comedy legend, and now with seven other high profile Australians, genealogy guinea pig. It's part of the latest season of SBS's Who Do You Think You Are? Fresh from getting put through the emotional family ringer and ahead of the show's premiere, Denise joins us on the line now. Welcome back to Breakfasters.
4: Well, thanks for having me. And that sounded so professional and smooth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Quite um, exciting. Uh, well, well, it is exciting.
2: And and why do it, Denise? Why not let sleeping dogs lie? Why pick these ancestral scabs? Uh,
4: good question. Now, first of all, money. <laughs> 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 Which is often the answer, really, when you dig deep. But I've just cut to the chase. You Well, it's. So there is that, but there was also, I suppose, I had reached a point where I was really interested. Like I had no idea of my ancestry, none, and I'd never really had a lot of interest in it. But I thought, oh well, why not? Why not have a have a look at it? Have a look at where I came from.
2: Because you, might, you said your mum was into into family and the, you know family history as well. Did I? Well, yeah. Daniel, you've,
4: where are you doing your
2: research? You've, you've said it before <laughs> on this very show.
4: Oh, uh, come on now.
2: You, you did, I swear. <laughs> before the NGV gig, you did. But
4: uh, uh, Oh, yes, yeah. No, my mum actually was really, she was into family, but the opposite of looking at it too hard because she was the one who was the carrier of the, you know, the, the family secret, and, um, and which, in the end, we all knew about. But so she didn't want anyone to look at her family. So it was, in choosing to do this show, I was aware of, like, mum died years ago, but I was still aware of her memory and what she would think about this. And I was quite nervous, actually, mm. about if there'd be anything that would, you know, distress the the current family members that would turn up. And do you think you towed that line? Yes, because I, I, I won't go. It, you know, the, the secret's not a. It, it's not a incredible secret. It's just. Um, I might have even talked about it on air, but it, it's just that classic where my mum grew up thinking her sister, no, thinking her mother. No, hang on. With her mother being no, hang on, her sister, <laughs> I'll get it, her sister being her mother, you know, so um, my mum's uh, sister was really, in fact, her mother and she yeah. found that out quite late in life it was that, and it was that, a Jack Nicholson story, Jack Nicholson had the same thing. Yeah. And, um, but what happened in the, the show, who do you think you are, it, it, um, there was a great twist to this secret. That I won't say. That blew me away. I that was like mm, I didn't. That meant the secret made no sense. Mm. It, it was like so. You think secrets are true? They're fact. They're hard facts and the yeah. details of them, because everyone's been so busy keeping them secret. And then no, no. There's a big twist.
0: when you do a show like this do you get the opportunity to veto things that are uncovered like if something comes back from generations ago and you go nah i don't want people to know this do you get a chance to go to pull pull it out or is it once they start digging is that it
4: i think that's pretty much it and that's that's one of the i don't know because i didn't have a bother with anything but um my relatives might but i didn't (laughs) but um (laughs) But, no, I, I don't know about that, actually. I don't. Mm. I doubt it because, of course, if there's something that controversial, I don't want that
0: it's a headline. for the show. <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. Was there
1: any kind of um, surprising, uh, I guess, personality traits that you discovered from your ancestors, you know, certain things that you go,
4: oh, that makes sense that I'm like this because they were like that? Well, yes, on my... Dad's side, so my great-great-grandfather, so I knew my grandmother, but her grandfather, oh, convict, I was so relieved. I thought if I haven't got convict <laughs> in me, I'll scream. Um, so William bought it home for me. He's a convict but liked a drink, um, turned against God, spoke passionately about having this he had a a kind of weird spirituality that he wrote about you know after a couple of drinks I suspect and um and he was also and and this is that you find records handwritten records of where he clearly suffered depression and they even had a record of him attempting suicide on the convict ship Mm. and then But then get this, I said, because he had all his first, I think, three kids died really young and then he got put on the convict ship and then he um, attempted suicide and then I went, oh, oh, did he end up having children? This is my (laughs) great-grandfather, this is why I'm on the show. (laughs) Because of course he had children. That's what well I was, and I seriously asked, Did he end up having any children? <laughs> so yeah. I think they cut that out. <laughs> um, well, maybe they keep that in. Yeah, you, you, oh, dear, you. So embarrassing.
2: You, you have uh, there's some genuine tragedy in your family's past and desperate circumstances. Does it put any modern anguishes into
4: perspective? Uh it it does in that the every story, and I guess they prefer stories that are grim in a way that aren't just all jolly and happy. So the the level of poverty on both sides of my family was incredible, like really incredible. You know, on my mum's side, they lived in a cave um, out of Adelaide, and and that wasn't so long ago, and. So all that really, I thought, wow, that, they, their struggle—they really struggled—for and so that I could enjoy living in a house today. It felt like that, mm. but then I think these days, it's it's similar in that families struggle and struggle together, and these days the problems are different, you know. But there's still these problems that families have to face as one really and uh and and of course these days it's mental health stuff I think that's you know Mm. because we've got the time and the we've got the house but we well not everyone but you know what I mean it's so it it made me feel this link that that it's not just you know us on our own dealing with this stuff there's a whole whole and real most of them pretty um, yeah overcoming poverty and oh you know and just horrible stuff like my um, my great grandfather he lost everything on this he's tried to set up a salary so they came and took everything out they had a poor house but they came and took everything out of it and it was listed in the newspaper even his wife's sewing machine. Like they had nothing. They were left with completely nothing, no home and no, no, no. Oh, I feel like I'm going to cry, kids. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's a really interesting thing to, to feel, you know, sympathy and regard, and admiration you, really for these people.
1: Were <laughs> you surprised at, um, I guess, your emotional reactions to finding out. Were you expecting to be so emotionally,
4: um, you know, emotional about it all, I guess? Uh, No, and I feared I wouldn't be at all. Uh, I I went into it because I thought, well, clearly they want you to cry or, you know, or or look as though you care. (laughs) (laughs) And seriously, I I worried because I'm quite hard lying about, Emotional stuff. I um, I don't don't buy into it very often, and I even with my own immediate family, my own kids, my you know. And I was so I was surprised, you know, at how, and and it wasn't so much the big things. There are a cu- couple of big things that I found out, but it was little things like, uh, I because I, I went to the cave where this one. Family lived, and that got. It's like, my God, my God! Not so long ago, my relatives were living here, and just amazing to me. Mm. And I did feel emotional. And
2: not to give too much away, but you seemed mildly miffed that there was no hard evidence you descended from royalty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Mm.
4: This is true.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What gave you the impression that maybe that was on the cards?
4: That that I wasn't or that no, I was but you were yeah. um,
2: <laughs> that was your inkling,
4: I think my general style <laughs> my, see, Daniel, you've never been to my house, no. but it's very regal. <laughs> I think I Geraldine have. will yes. yeah, you'll you'll support this mm. <laughs> will go on <laughs> <laughs> Support this theory.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it really is a, a, a castle within mm, within Thornbury, you know. Yes. Um, well, there's the moat. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say that. I'm pretty sure there's a moat at the front, and um, you know, and and a drawbridge, and um, yeah, I'm corgis. Oh, the, the, the six corgis. corgis.
4: <laughs> and a, and so a that's up the top. Yeah. 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 So Daniel, I did expect that, and uh, no, just. Poor people from caves. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: and
2: have you seen any other episodes, like the Dado one or the one from the project?
4: I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't seen any. Any. Um, I haven't seen any episodes. I haven't seen my episode, and I'm looking forward to it because really? it was filmed nearly a year ago. Oh my god! And uh, I think I've given away just how on the ball I am. <laughs> and. <laughs> I can't remember a lot of it. I think, oh, I think we went to York in West Australia, did we? Oh. You did. <laughs> yeah,
2: we did. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. There's, um, there's, you've got Julie Bishop, Kat Stewart, Cameron Dado, Lisa Curry, Lisa Wilkinson, Burt Newton, and Troy Cassadaly. And you.
4: I know. I know. Who excites you the most? You. Of course. (laughs) Correct answer. You know, the the wonderful thing about it is that in doing the show, it really is quite an exciting show to do because I've never met a show that keeps secrets so well. So you Mm -hmm. don't know where you're going. You're not told. You're told varying temperatures. You pack for 14 days and each evening or afternoon you get told Where you're going the next day. And like other people fly off to Rome, to India, to, you know, wherever. I went to (laughs) Moulton. Don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful town. But my heart did sink a little, you know? I got in a car and went to Maldon and, and Kiton, Castlemaine, Broadford. Um, you, you must
1: have been excited to make that trip over west <laughs> to York.
4: I I honestly thought I was flying to Scotland. Because <laughs> they don't tell you, they just say we're going to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And for one reason or another, I thought, oh yeah, Scotland was mentioned. Oh my god, I'm going to Scotland, and it was no. <laughs> Didn't
2: even need to pack and, a toothbrush. No,
4: but it was actually wonderful. I, I'm I'm sort of I'm making light of it. Yeah. But um, I saw Malden in a whole new light, and uh, I might even go and live there. Well, I've
2: seen the episode. It looks absolutely beautiful there as well. It's it really, it's like a travel show as combined. Oh, have really, you seen it? Yeah, yeah. It really oh. shows off the country. Um, so, well, did
4: I look emotional? Did you, I look like yeah, so it? Was, scared?
2: Yeah, it was. It was it appeared very sincere. Are
4: you just saying that? <laughs> no, I'm not. Really no, absolutely.
2: And and I also wanted to ask, which we've run out of time. Later on, we'll ask about the role of shame, uh, which which plays big. Mm. Mm, but uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's that's on the uh, special features. Um, Yes. Okay, well, the new season of Who Do You Think You Are premieres uh, Tuesday, 19th of May, 7.30pm on SBS, and uh, we've been speaking to one of its playthings, Denise Scott. Thanks so much, Denise.
4: Well, thank you for having me, kids.
0: (laughs) Independent Melbourne Radio 3RRR.
1: Get Out and About yesterday? Go and visit some friends, go have a little dinner party. No dinner parties.
0: No dinner parties. I actually got texts to go and see people, but on my first day of um, freedom, did exactly what I've done for the last <laughs> two months. <laughs> and now I just feel like there's something mentally wrong with me. Because I, I slept for four hours and I just thought, why aren't oh. you embracing your freedom? You did, you slept for four hours. Yeah, That's true. That truly is true. Embracing. But I actually felt quite um more overwhelmed than I anticipated getting texts from people saying, Do you want to catch up? I mean, these are probably people I'd would have walked without a distance previously anyway, but mm. I just don't think I was I just don't think I'm ready.
1: I totally understand. Is that weird? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's almost um too much of the um and like the, I'm just thinking about getting lots of text messages and people going, do you want to come and catch up? Like yeah. the anxiety, even I thinking just,
0: about it. Oh my God. I woke up at one point from my nap, which was only meant to be really short and saw heaps of text messages and went, oh, and just went back to sleep. Yeah. I couldn't deal with it. now.
1: Yeah. Cause now we've got to go back to the saying yes or no. And totally. <laughs> I, don't want it. I don't want extra admin. I don't want it
0: look I'm busy just I don't want to have for to four or, hours. Also I don't want to have to think about my emotions again because you know when you ha- you respond to something you have to be like do I really feel like leaving the house do I feel like can I have a conversation or, I don't want to have to think about it it was so before it was just like oh, i'm okay see you in a few yes. months yeah,
2: mm. yeah I'm, I'm trying to be wait. on good behavior as well and because an invitation is like hey do you want to come over and start a cluster yeah <laughs> totally <laughs>
1: We had Cat's um, dad came to visit yesterday because um, uh, he had to come and he made he had to come and pick something up. Um, I think he, you know, also just wanted to, to visit. I think the Cat's parents have found it really difficult. They, you know, they're both retired and they're both really social, and I think they've, you know, they've really struggled not being able to get out and about and see people so as soon as you know as he could um cast was like oh he got on his motorbike and he drove down um and I knew that the thing that he was coming down for would be so you know kind of almost irrelevant because he was about to leave and I said did you get that thing that you that you actually came here for and he goes actually no I didn't I will get that now and it was just like, <laughs> just like a battery for a power tool um which he kind of you know he did, he does need but it was like what a great excuse to to drive for two hours on his motorbike mm. uh, and he you know popped down to the beach and had a look and then he helped us helped us in the garden. we had two plants that we needed to transplant and we got the last two out and now
2: we're we're ready to
1: keep digging the end of the That's. <laughs> <laughs> i
2: have a brother-in-law who's birthday was yesterday so we had a gathering
0: oh my and god so you actually
2: wow yeah and so you have to and so what you're allowed 5 and five so outside, i
1: saw 10 outside
2: yeah well <laughs> cuz it gets cold yeah anyway i didn't make the cut no. <laughs> You're not living with him, are you? No, no, but um, oh god, no, that would have been my... so
0: awkward. <laughs> Daniel, can you leave the house for two hours? I want to have some friends got to, over.
2: Go to sit in your car for a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think mum and I, um, we were delisted, but you know, maybe next year, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but have, yeah, oh yeah, because it's only, yeah, I think that's it's just a brother. In law, yeah?
2: Yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, it's a big gathering. It's a big house and they've got three kids and, you know, whatever. But that's fine. It's fine. You know, like uh, they had a good time and I'm
0: glad. No, not in the slightest. Maybe you just could have your own little party that isn't quite a birthday party but something else (laughs) (laughs) and selectively invite people.
1: See, um, you know, pubs in in New South Wales will open – on Friday, they're looking at. Did you pubs? see pubs? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, but it's they. It's just pubs that you have to be able to sit down, and um, I'm just trying. To, I was reading. Oh, yeah, here we go. So from Friday, pubs, uh, in New South, pubs and clubs can serve drinks with meals for up to ten people. So I think it's that's only ten people. in – At a time, at
0: a time. Would you, if if pubs were available here to do it, would you go? Absolutely. You would. You wouldn't even think. You wouldn't question it. No. Okay. Oh.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh. I. You know what? I'd go and scope the place out first, and then think. Oh, yeah. This is all right. And then I'd stay or go, and probably more likely stay because.
2: It's a pub? I'm yeah. <laughs> so I'm,
1: like, Look, I'm here now. I am as well poppy.
0: I like the idea of getting your meals really fast. Like, I love a pub meal. I think that was like my biggest treat yeah. when I was a kid was dad was like, let's go and have a counter meal at the, the farm, at whatever pub at the farm he wasn't fighting with the owners of at the time. And we'd go and have a counter meal. And it, to, to this day, that feels like the most fancy thing. You, oh. I can go to fancy restaurants and appreciate them, but like a date for me is going to the pub and having a counter meal and so yeah. i've missed that and I, I i i like the idea of not having to wait like 10 people perfect how long can you be waiting
1: well i'm worried about like uh you know 10 people getting there and staying all night oh yeah <laughs> like get out give someone else a go <laughs> Totally, it's like the
2: pool table Maybe the worst nightmare yeah you know? yeah
1: i is mean a... that's in oh you yeah, go
2: no, no, no. I mean, you're right. Like, there's, and there's a pub near me uh, that has par- that they advertise palmas and chips for nine dollars ninety. I'm like, what oh. is this? ninety
0: six oh. But um, but it's don't get a free fr- pint with that. <laughs> no,
2: exactly. <laughs> but it, but it's like now I've never really wanted to go, and now all I want to do is. Sample, what a $9.90 palmer. (laughs) I mean, hopefully it hasn't been in the freezer for six months as the pub's been closed. Probably has. has. (laughs) Uh,
1: I think um, Northern Territory, um, I think they've got the, well, depending on how you like things, but from Friday, pubs, bars, restaurants and cafes can open, but patrons must observe social distancing and stay for a maximum of two hours. So that's like, oh yeah, do do you only stay for two hours?
0: So you can't pass someone. You don't know picking up at the pub, and no yeah. no fights, which is probably good.
1: Yeah, no fights, no, and and but who's to say how they're going to work out who stayed for two hours or not? Oh, that's a good point. Like, how they're going to yeah, put that on? But you know, but that's good. But it's you know, and this is on the um, front page of the um, of the Australian today. It's got all the different states with, like, the varying rules about pubs and cafes and stuff, and then it gets to Victoria. No date for pubs reopening. <laughs> oh, God. God. the sad face
3: next to it. <laughs> Triple R.
1: I know you're allowed to start playing golf now. Yes. Um, which I'm sure some people are very excited about. But um, discovered yesterday that there is...
0: A thing called frisbee golf ever heard of it no
1: me neither didn't know i could dislike but,
0: golf more but here we go
1: <laughs> yeah frisbee golf um you can play it at the tarwin lower pony club <laughs> <clears throat> um because kath came home yesterday um she gets to leave the house every day um I, I didn't leave the house. So that's um, Anyway, Cat had to go feed the ponies. She's,
0: you know, she's got, she's got horses she has to go and feed every day. You already had your uh, trip to Taralgon to get your tiles, so.
1: Yeah, I had that on Monday, so that was a, you know, it's been a big week.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, someone said it's called Frolf. Is that it?
0: Is that what that message said? Frolf. Frolf. I haven't looked at it yet, but, I mean, that sounds like a great. Right. I'll go with it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, so Kath, you know, um, yeah, I had my big trip to Jaraug and Kath got to to go and feed the horses. And then also she said um, I had to to go and get a a pole for my hoe and I went, excuse me, what? (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) Like she just says these things so casually like it's normal and I'm like, you can't say... Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Like there was – I'm like, what were you doing at my attention because I had to get a pole from my hoe? And I'm like, you can't, you can't just be so casual about that. Anyway, she's quite good friends um, – well, she's quite friendly with the person that works at the local monitor because, you know, she's just really friendly and um, and whatnot. So she was telling her about, um, you know, this Frolf. We didn't know it was called Frolf though. That
0: could be a joke, uh, but I'm, I just think just run with Frolf because it's so good. Yeah, sounds like oh, something yeah. off Billy Madison, like that Adam Sandler would play.
1: Yeah, but I I googled you know um, frisbee golf and it's a thing, like it's a real thing, and it's like so it's essentially like you know you're walking around a golf course um, type thing, but there's like little tiny little like like netball ring nets, but like really short ones yeah. that you obviously have to get your frisbee into.
0: I and can't, then I do- just—it's that's mind blowing.
1: It's fun. It makes golf sound fun, doesn't it? It
0: really does. And also, but how hard is it to throw a? Frisbee? You know, when you throw a frisbee, you just kind of chuck it, and it goes where it goes. I yes. didn't know you could throw a frisbee with purpose to have it land well, land somewhere. Yeah, but
1: but if you get close enough, then you can just—I'm imagining you just like do a little drop it in type type scenario. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: the equivalent
2: of the putt. Yeah. Exactly, I frisbees. Uh, I think I'm just j- judging by what you've just said. I think I always start too ambitious with frisbees. Like the distance between throwing is too wide, and then I get discouraged when the wind takes it away or it goes. Oh, yeah,
0: I totally like, agree.
2: So just meter, two meter, three meter. Get used to it. Oh, that's a really oh, man, good idea. You're gonna get the worst score if you buy it like that. <laughs> you gotta peg it. <laughs>
1: Hope for the best. Hope the wind picks it up and there's no dogs
0: around and just off it goes. There's no dogs around. Someone just texted to say that they've played it in Sweden. I mean, well, I'm trusting our um, dear listeners uh, that they've played it in Sweden and it's really big over there.
1: Sounds like um, that's the next sport that I'll get into. But maybe if if you wanted to amp it up, you could um, uh, do like speed frolf. So it, it, you have to get through the course as quickly as you can. Oh. So you've got to run, like, peg your frisbee, run and pick it up. and Sounds yeah, so mad. Yeah. I <laughs> also imagine standing a metre away from the net trying to get it in and then being incredibly frustrated. Mm. <laughs> and just keeps hitting
2: the net and not going in. Can I ask, is there a designated frisbee? Because I feel like if it was Nairobi which are just out of control, and if you give an as a present, I wouldn't expect it to last the afternoon. They go so far and they're just unmanageable. So does Frisbee golf, what are the rules with the actual equipment? Can you bring your own Frisbee? Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, also, Frolf is apparently so hot with our listeners, I can't even do it. And there's an episode of Seinfeld called The Summer of George in which he Frolf, he, I actually remember it now he talks about Frolf with Jerry.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. oh no, there's, oh, there you go. There's different types of frisbees, like drivers and putters. Thank you, Blake.
0: There's, there's a oh, course well. in Geelong. Oh, we're getting down with this.
1: LAUGHTER I'll, I'll be, you know, popping into Tarvin Loward pretty soon so
2: I can have a go at that. Go um, frothing after you pick up your pose for your
0: heart. Just appreciate the detail that's coming in from people about it. The frizz, which is – they, frizz, the frizz doesn't swing. It mostly goes straight. Like, that's a – you know, anyway, I Yeah, love but
1: this. have you seen – you haven't seen us throw a frizz, mate. <laughs> like, it doesn't always
0: go straight. I don't think I've ever had a frisbee go – I think I'm a person that goes to play frisbee, throws it once – has it thrown back to me once, and then goes I'm out. Yeah, you know it's just not a.
1: You know what we found was a really good frisbee. Growing up was the um, the ice cream bucket lid. Oh my like, god, did, I remember that. It, yeah. Yes. That, that big I don't know eight litre tub of ice cream. To- that big round yeah, one, the
0: massive one with the yeah, handle. The <laughs> The bucket of cake, but this is a bucket of vanilla ice cream. Mum was always like carried in from the car, you had to carry it in separately
1: from yeah. the car. <laughs> and then but we worked at um you know, so the lid of that was a good frisbee. But then we worked out that um the one the, the square one worked quite well as well. So if you can't afford the bucket, yes. don't worry about it. <laughs> it it doesn't
0: it doesn't go the square does, is a bit more kind of like crazy frisbee because it yeah, goes in a few more different works. directions. I can't believe you did that as well. I distinctly remember playing frisbee with an ice cream bucket lid. <laughs> so out sad. Out of the 90s.
2: <laughs> Independently yours,
1: Listeners uh, are probably well aware that we all love a dinner review. We love talking about what we have for dinner. We love talking about what are you making for dinner. We love talking about... <laughs> What are you? What are you gonna? What are you gonna eat? Are you gonna eat that? Are you gonna? Can I have it? Are you gonna eat it? Are you gonna finish that? Uh, it's one of our favourite subjects, but uh, I thought maybe we could um, step it up a notch, and um, we can all talk about um, what we've eaten this week, and then um, our dear listeners can vote on who has eaten the best. Can can okay.
0: I just stage a protest mm. before we begin, Geraldine yep. Hickey? You have suggested the competition, knowing full well
1: that I would win.
0: That yes. you have had delicious, as in, in fact, you've had so many good meals this week. You keep showing me blurry photos of it through the Skype, which I can't really yeah. see or understand. But I feel like this is unfairly tilted towards you having the knowledge. Well, you've had a good week of dinners.
1: Them's the breaks, mate. That's,
0: <laughs> that's how it goes. Just putting it out there. Just I'm sure. participating, but under duress.
1: I think it's also, um, you know, it's the way you, you sell it. So, oh. um, yeah, so, uh, like, if you want to do, – do you want to go a bit later? Like, just to see
5: – Oh, yeah. I'll,
0: sure. Why don't we start with Daniel?
2: Okay. Mm. Uh, look, you know, this week has been quite extraordinary. It's probably one of been – it's probably been a watershed culinary week. Um Coming and I'm not, strong. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking. Uh, you know, the, the, the adjectives that I've used, cause I, you have to compliment a meal once it's over and I'm, I'm running out of adjectives. I've, I think I'm going to retire outstanding. Um, you know, okay. as, as I've said, Jesse's dad uh, makes everybody or he's, he's fond of um, a ranking out of 10 last night was a, was approaching a nine. Ooh. Jeez, that's near um,
0: perfection.
2: It, it, well, it was a ribeye steak and it was kilos of ribeye uh, with, you know, uh, broccoli and sweet potato and potato and kale. And um, it was really outstanding. The night before, a massive organic roast chicken um, mm. with similar accoutrements. Um, previously... A spaghetti carbonara, mussels, prawns. Um, you right. know, my, you know my favourite uh, cheese that I love, midnight moon, oh, yes. that was grated on top. Um, you know, there was one night where there was pork spare ribs as an entree. As an entree,
0: hello. Uh, so I'd like look, to it's... stage another process. A process. <laughs> I feel like if you're being cooked for by your father-in-law, to be, you're not in the competition.
2: Well, there are four. There are four adults putting their shoulder to the wheel. Now, am I providing some of the ingredients? Yeah, I am. Are you? yeah, I am. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. oh. Because are you doing? <laughs> is,
1: is your contribution? You go and do the shopping, and then you
2: let everyone else do the preparing and cooking. That's a bit of that, I mean, I, I was watching MasterChef last night. <laughs> And um and Katy Perry was on who uh, you know anyway, uh, what does she know about food? Nothing, which but is why I she presumed. Was gr-
0: she was great. I l- yeah, loved but it. what is
2: she, she? Yeah, I know. But you know, anyway. she she admitted she doesn't know anything about food. anyway. Uh, so and I was like, how would I go on that show? And look, obviously I wouldn't. You know, uh, it would be a total disaster. I, I I can't do it. I think they've got a supermarket attached there. I'd have to go in there and get something store-bought. Um, it would be bad. So, yes, I, I can't cook, but I I know what's good, and I I provide my talents to, to mm. what is available, even for dessert. I ru- there was an apple pie. I rushed out. I bought the best vanilla ice cream I could find, brought that back.
1: Who made the apple pie? Where did the apple pie come from?
2: The apple pie was a f- from a local bakery. Oh. Uh, and and yeah. also you put on uh, Jesse's fond of cream as well as ice cream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, so, uh, you know, what can I say? There's also licorice that's bought locally uh, that's usually at markets. Okay, but all just because you're not down. staying
0: in Richmond at the moment, you don't have to keep saying bought locally. <laughs> I'm staging another protest. I know, I know. <laughs> you've got know. that, you've got that over me too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um so yeah this this extraordinary uh, licorice and and look it's been yeah, anyway I don't want to look and then tonight the world is our oyster obviously not oysters I don't want to have oysters but apart from that you, Are know, you sure because if they're sourced hoping, locally
0: they could be really good
1: <laughs> I'm mm. hoping
2: to finish the week strong anyway that's that's us
1: all right so you've you've been having entrees mains and desserts yeah that's a good start. That's a very good start. I regret letting you go first.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that was a bit of a power play by me because I had a feeling that Daniel was gonna be able to step this up. <laughs>
1: All right. All if I right. can't
0: win, at least mm. someone else can. That isn't Jez who's rigged this.
1: I see your. <laughs> I, I see your entree, main, and dessert prepared for. By your um, – by somebody else. <clears throat> <laughs> and I uh, raise you – okay, here's, here's – I'll sell mine. Um, obviously, Kath did all the cooking this week. I cooked dinner last night in that I um, I heated up some leftovers, um, but even Kath had to help me do that. Uh, but I think uh, – here's a couple of highlights – uh, we had a, a Moroccan chicken casserole, yeah. and normally you would have that like with a polenta, um, but Kath made an avocado cornbread.
0: Amazing. Take that.
1: Yep. <laughs> Take that.
0: Delicious. Lo- was it locally that- sourced avocado, indoor corn? Yeah.
1: Yeah. From the garden. We got <laughs> is- the avocado from our garden. That's a lie. Um, got it from the supermarket. It's still impressive yes thank you then we we had a um oh imagine if you will uh, a chicken and leek pie um but all the goodness that goes in that pie but without the pastry um so we had a chicken and leek casserole and i went you know what we could do with this you know what this means we put pastry on it and then then we've got pie with the leftovers so that's that's still something that we've got coming up treat ourselves sometime during the week and um, oh and then we had you know there's rissoles right but not just rissoles let's just let's amp the rissoles up a bit and then let's get a bagel and let's make like open burgers with with the rissoles so have some rocket have some um have some cheese have some like like delicious aged cheddar cheese, and then um, and then some tomato, and some delicious chipotle sauce to go on top of mm. that.
0: What do you think I, of that? I, I, very confused, but it sounds delicious. It, and I saw a photo of it. It looked, looked unbelievable. Delicious. Yeah, it was. It was. It was really
1: good. Um, and that's you know these are gourmet meals just <laughs> for two people. For two people, it's easy to you know go out and prepare. For for a family, then then I'm putting that
0: out there. <laughs> well, I take you your gourmet meals and I and I ace you with um, Coburg Institution Wang Wang Dumpling, which I ordered last night. Uh, succulent beef and black bean, mm-hmm. a classically embarrassing white Australian thing to order. But I did also have uh, oh, mate, it's a, not a, a crispy. A crispy, crispy spring onion pancake. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. A bit of um, Chinese greens and oyster sauce. Uh, a bit of a bit of succulent dumpling. It was all succulent. Oh, two things are succulent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, some rice. So that was that was a. Suc- what was the rice? Succulent, or? just beautiful steamed
1: succulent <laughs> <Suculent> rice. rice. <laughs>
0: So you can't really beat a, an institution like Wang Wang. Um, although earlier in the week I did have cooked for me uh, a, a slow-cooked slow lemon chicken in uh, mushrooms and that was delicious and that came with creamy mash potato and um, just lightly steamed broccolini and we got to have that for two nights because there was enough made in the slow cooker and the second night was even more succulent than the first night. And we also had. I love
2: how you sold leftovers there. Like, <laughs> so much deliciousness that we got to have it
0: twice. Uh, we also had uh, some peri peri chicken, also accompanied by mash and broccolini. You might think that was repetitive, but it was actually just listening to the weather and feeling like we needed to be nourished with potato, with succulent. Potato. With succulent potato. <laughs> potato. So and
1: peri, peri peri chicken. Oh, look at that. You win. Oh,
0: yes. (laughs) (laughs) I came from behind.
4: (laughs) Melbourne's own Triple R.
2: Adam Briggs is a rapper, comedy writer, record label owner, actor, Yorta Yorta Man and now author of a newly published children's book. Our home, our heartbeat has made the leap from song to the page and to tell us about that and overachieving in a pandemic. Briggs (laughs) joins us on the line now. Welcome to Breakfasters.
5: Thanks for having me. Good morning, everybody.
2: (laughs) Good morning. Now, as uh, Sarah was saying, this is an adaptation of your own song, The Children Came Back, which in turn was a kind of sequel to Archie Roach's Took the Children Away. Why is this an idea and theme that has stuck with you for so long?
5: Um, I get a lot of ideas, and um, sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're not so good. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I was just – I can't really remember the moment, but – I. You know I'd had this point that was like,, uh, one of my songs could lend itself to, um, to that format, you know to a children's picture book. And um, then I thought like, what is my most accessible, less sweary song that I have?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the children came back was like a really obvious um, song to, to be able to adapt. And, like, the big plus on that was I'd already written it. So, you know, (laughs) half the work was already done. Uh, Have you
2: actually managed to read 20 kids or are you not allowed near them? Not, you know, because of social distancing, I mean.
5: Because of the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Just the pandemic. I'm good to go. I'm I'm, I'm very approachable. <laughs> were you, were, uh, I, I haven't I haven't yet. It's something I really want to do. Um like, you know, just share the book as, as much as possible.
2: Mm. Um, can you walk us through any uh some of the identities that maybe weren't in the original song or have you have you beefed it out with the book?
5: Yeah, um like uh, I managed to get um like Nova Paris uh in in the book and, and Miranda Tapsell, just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I, I I did like update it and because like the original song I I think I only mentioned Kathy Freeman. Um. So there wasn't a lot of um, like uh, female kind of um, you know, on on the roll call. Yeah. Mm. So I was like, oh you know, it's got to be, you know, an inclusive kind of book. It's like. You know these young girls need to be able to see themselves as as all these kinds of leaders and and whatnot as well so it was important for me to be able to it was really good that I got to um you know reassess and and add some more names you know what i mean of of um some incredible women mm,
1: I, going with that uh the illustrations in it are quite extraordinary they're really great and I really love how um it's you know there's like I'm patty mills with the last shot and it's an illustration of a of a girl taking a basketball shot so was that whose idea was it you know to have you know different genders uh, uh, you know identifying with you know different you know looking up to different you yeah, know people I,
5: that was like that was all of us and like kate moon um who who done the the um like the portrait illustrations of of all the characters in in the book, all the kids. Mm. Um, like you know, she took a lot of license with with that as well. And yeah, it was really important for me to be able to to you know not you know gender all these different roles in the book. You know what I mean? Like so everyone mm-hmm. can see themselves as being whatever they want to be, which was important.
0: Yeah, it's funny because you list all these people who are who can who are these um. Idols and heroes, and I read this interview with you from about five years ago when you released the song that's inspired this book, and you were talking about Archie um, and saying how he was a hero for you when you were a kid. He was like a rock star, is how you described him. And do you think that maybe you've become that for a generation of kids as well?
5: Maybe, I guess so. Like I I don't really – like that's for the next generation to – the answer i think (laughs) you know what i mean like i don't walk around thinking like yeah i'm a rock star you know i'm over here you know uplifting that kid and uplifting this person you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's it's, uh you know i just try to do um you know as much as i can with with the platform i'm afforded and um like archie was like archie like I, I never really got to appreciate his music properly until I was, until I was much older. But like what you knew about him as a kid was like he was our, our singer songwriter. You know, rock star. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's that's who he was. Like even before I'd even heard his music, I knew his name and um, and, and what he was about. Uh, so like you know, it's really important. Like, and he was the only one, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I knew that he would, he was born near Shepparton and and whatnot. So yeah, he was the, he was the only one. So like, that was the point of his book as well was to, you know, really cast the net out there and be like, look at all these, um, you know, monumental humans and all their contributions to different industries and, and the arts and, and, and whatnot. And, Really, like you know, open up the 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 eyes of of you know not just kids but adults and and people they may never, never have heard of as well.
2: Mm. Well, you've mentioned it's a bit of a history lesson. Jimmy Little cracks a mention. Why might it be important for kids to be introduced to him and his music?
5: Uh, I think it's just about like you know, knowing your history is a strength, um, and understanding that mm. is is part of the strength. So. You know, you're, you're never going to be, um, you're never going to regret learning something like that and learning, learning who somebody was and, and what their achievements were. Um, especially like in the face of, of adversity and, and obstacles that they had to overcome. Jimmy Little was from the same mission, the a Gunja mission, uh, you know, as my dad. So, you know, and a lot of people don't know his story and, and, um, and who he is and, and what that means. Um, so it was really important to be able to share that.
2: Mm. Um, just on the sort of the, the confidence and, and hubris it takes to be prolific versus, you know, your semi self deprecating attitude and, <laughs> you know, and coming from Shep, how do you, is there a, is there an effort that goes into managing, managing any of that?
5: Um, I just like I'm really off the cuff and um and I just talk how I talk in that moment like it's it, it's sometimes it's, it's it doesn't serve me very well <laughs> 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 and like you know I just go with with however I feel you know in that moment and I I often think back and look at things like ah there's there's a better answer <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, everything I do is really, you know, natural and like, you know, it's, it's very much how I feel in that moment. I'm very impulsive that way. Yeah.
0: You've been, um, you were saying before we came on that you've been super busy in isolation and you released a, a track called House Fire with Tim Minchin. It's got a, yeah. a, a special little ISO video that comes with it. Could you, what, yeah. where did that track come from? Were you just sitting at home and felt angry and inspired?
5: Yeah, it was like it was because like, you know, the, I kind of felt like everyone everyone forgot about the bushfires a little bit, you know. I'm sure the people who were affected by them didn't. Um and like you know, Scomo was kind of strutting around like he was, you know, ahead of the curve and fixing everything and it, yeah, it did piss me off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and um so I you know, I kind of wrote this scathing report of the last quarter of the year and um and i showed it to tim and 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 tim was like because like we'd been trying to do something for a little while and i said like this could be fun <laughs> <laughs> and and away we went and like it just took on like it, over a couple of weeks we we finished it like including the video and um yeah it really took on a, a life um of its own and you know it, it it did exactly what it was meant to do like just break up the monotony for me for a little bit and you know have something else to do mm-hmm. and then also give something else to everybody else to watch and and enjoy you know and it was, it was all it was all in good fun
1: uh it, at the start of the book um the first mention is from um Wanganine, Gavin Wanganine, so a uh, couple of questions. First of all, how good are the Bombers?
5: <laughs> how good are the Bombers?
1: <laughs> uh, and also, when when Gavin left the Bombers and, and went to Port Adelaide, um, do you remember how you felt?
5: A little bit heartbroken. Mm. Definitely, definitely a little bit heartbroken. It's funny because, like, I, you know, I, I have to send him some messages now and then on, on Instagram and ask him why he did that to me. <laughs> Has he answered? Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. He was just like, you know, but, like, I'm I'm happy for him that he was happy. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, You're also, uh, just to rattle through the CV, you're a writer uh, for Matt Groening's animated Netflix series, Disenchantment. I don't know if you're working remotely or how that goes, but uh, can you talk us through oscillating between, say, Hollywood and Shep? Um, Yeah, it's,
5: you know... Pretty much the same. <laughs> much. <laughs> Hollywood and Chef, like, what's the difference? It's, you know, one has Matt Groening and one doesn't.
3: <laughs> yeah, right.
5: <laughs> no, nah, it's like it, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like, you know, to be able to work on um on a project with like, you know, my comedy kind of heroes, uh, it's. It's hard to um, to to talk about in a kind of sense of like how I feel about it because it's such a dream gig. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's all. Like it, it's everything you think it would be. Like it's it's the best job in the world.
1: Uh. Sorry, another classic question. But um, how'd you get that?
5: Twitter. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was funny on Twitter. And um Josh Weinstein, the um like the co creator of um of Disenchantment, had seen some of my comedy, liked my music, and yeah, we just struck up a, a friendship there and long story short, you know what I mean? Like I was yeah. two thousand and sixteen in LA and he asked if I had had the time to, you know, work on this new show of Matt Groening and I was like, Oh yeah, you know, <laughs>
1: Oh my make time. Be, 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 well, <laughs> between, be,
5: between writing songs and sending messages to Gavin Wang in the end, I, like, <laughs> uh, I, could, I could fit it in somewhere.
2: Um, you've, you've also just, you've said previously you've got resting thug face. Um, has that softened for the kids' book or is that
5: you stuck nah, with it? No, I've got to work on that. <laughs> but, like, you know, my... My um my next door neighbour, um she's she she must be three, and I gave her a book, and and now she kind of you know seems to to smile and wave now. So, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> has parents too; like she doesn't live <laughs> by herself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, she she's cool.
0: You um there was some you kind of started releasing some music last year as well. And then uh, I thought there might be a record coming and that, and then that kind of didn't come. But now we have a new track from you that's been released this week called Extra Extra. And I think you've got a whole EP following on from this. Is that right?
5: Yeah. 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 I'm going to drop an EP like real soon. Everything's ready to go. Um, like, yeah, last year it was a bit of a blur um, for me. And like, you know, it was, it was like we had tracks there, but they weren't ready. They weren't right. And. And I, you know, I had a billion billion things on as well, but you know, I found them. I found the time and I found the moments to be able to create something um, that I'm happy with. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to run it. And,
0: Does it feel good to know, be back in the studio again? Because it's been a while since you've you've dropped. Like 2016, I think AB Original came out. That
5: that yeah. record. Well, and, and, well, like you know, we we're meant to follow that up pretty much straight away after, but the AB original thing really um, took on a life of its own mm. and like it, it went way longer than what we thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, you know, we weren't really like, like our team was prepared, but trials and I were just like, cause like we really did that record by accident. Like that was <laughs> a weekend um, <laughs> in the studio of us just having fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and like it's lucky that we have a great team, and and trials is a you know exceptional producer to be able to turn everything we did, like all these, all these, you know, happy mistakes that we turned into actual songs, and you know, really poignant um, piece of of like the the Australian music um, picture. But like it's great to be back in the studio, and you know, great to be making music again because like it was like the first thing I you know, I ever got to do before, all this great stuff that I get to do now. So, you know, it, it's good to have all these different outlets to be able to, um, you know, just stretch out ideas and have fun and, you know, like, just work with my friends too. Yeah,
0: nice. And what's this track of Extra Extra? Is it about you being extra? Is that right?
5: Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, it's a double entendre, of, you know, so – you yeah, know, because people want to read about all the things I do. I remember there was like a moment, you know when any blog would I would tweet and it'd be a it, there'd be a story about my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, it, it was just it, it's just about being extra extra doing things over the top. like you know, I got a kid's book, I got a Matt Groening show. you know i'm on I'm on the weekly. I'm everywhere, man. I'm I'm job job. I'm everywhere you want to be.
2: <laughs> well, before we hear the track, the new children's book, Our Home, Our Heartbeat, is out now through Hardy Grant, and we've yeah, uh, no, had yeah,
5: the. Don't confuse them. The new track is. Basically, <laughs> 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 two separate kids. <laughs> uh,
2: thanks, Ace Briggs.
5: Thank you, guys. Have an Thank awesome you.
4: day. Triple R.